take them and turn with me to Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37. I noticed, um, I took a quick look at the Facebook live feed and noticed that Brandon Roberts was on there watching us from the hospital. You may have noticed that, that there's something going around today that we'd like for you to, to take a look at. We were singing that song about the blood. And you know, he had, had surgery at the first part of the week and, the, and it failed. And the reason that the surgery failed is because there was, there was an absence of blood flow in that area of his body. And so the doctors said, in order for it to be successful, we have to increase the blood flow to that area. As we were singing that song, the Lord spoke to me, I believe, and he said, the problem with some of us today is that we have an absence of holy blood flowing through us. That we need to restore the flow of divine blood in our life. And that when we do that, when we, we like to disconnect ourselves from the gory things of the gospel, such as blood and crosses and things of that nature. But let me tell you, it was because of the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed that we have the opportunity to be free from our sin today. If it were not for that, we would have nothing before us but religion that cannot set us free. So today I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that has flowed into our lives, aren't you? Why don't you give him praise today? Amen. Amen. Psalm chapter 37 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I've preached out, it, uh, out of it several different times, and even here I've preached from it several different times. But it just seems like that there are so many different ways to come at this passage of Scripture. And it seems like that it is always in a time when I need to sense that God is in control of, of circumstances and situations in my life. So today I, I want to take a stab at it again today and share some things with you that I believe will be helpful to your life. How many of you know that we are totally and completely dependent upon Him? I mean completely. And until we get to the place where we understand that He has to be foremost in our lives, He must be first. The scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all the other things shall be added unto you. I read an article this week. It was called 178 Seconds Till Death. 178 Seconds Till Death. And the premise of the article is simply this. Pilots who are training to fly military airplanes begin by flying in good conditions. They put them in the plane when the sun is shining and when the wind is, is not blowing and when there's no storm and there's no rain. They, they teach them how to, to fly the plane when all is going well. But then, as you know, you cannot, you cannot always order up perfect weather if you're going to be a pilot, sometimes you have to fly when you can't see anything. Sometimes you have to fly when the wind is strong and when the weather patterns are, are negative and blowing against you. And it's in those moments that you don't fly by sight, 
but you fly by the gauges that are on the instrument panel. And until you are able to read the instrument panel, you are not qualified to fly because you must fly in the worst of circumstances. And so they have a drill that they, they put them in a simulator and they black everything out. They put wind on it. They put rain on it. They can't see anything. And they tell them to fly the plane. Well, up to that point, they've never been taught how to read the gauges. So they don't understand what the gauge is trying to say to them. And here's the whole point. Not one of those pilots has been able to survive for even three minutes. The most that any pilot has been able to maintain is one who made it 178 seconds. But at 178 seconds, he crashed the simulator and did not pass, make it past three minutes. So the whole moral of the story and the training is that they cannot survive unless they know what the gauges are telling them. Likewise, as children of God, we do not live this life by what we see. And we do not live this life by what we feel. If I were doing that, I would not be here this morning. I'd be stomping around in the backyard with my mud slickers on, mad at God and the plumbers and the ghostbusters and everybody else. But thank God we do not live by what we feel. We don't live by what we see, but we live by what the blessed word of God tells us. And it is this book that will bring victory to our lives. So this morning, look with me, if you will, to Psalm chapter 37, verses 4 through 7. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way and over the man who carries out evil devices. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you'll allow me, your servant, to communicate effectively to this congregation. They are here today not, not out of ritual, not because they don't have anything else to do, but Lord, they are here today because they are hungry for a word from heaven. There are men and women in this house today that are flying in a simulator and they're on their way to certain destruction unless they can see and find a word from heaven that will give them the victory that they need. I pray that you will open their hearts and their minds so that they can hear you today speak to them in the midst of their circumstances. And Father, we'll give you all of the praise and the glory and the honor, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you would like to walk in victory? Can I see your hands? 
How many, how many of you just like being down and out and dust, disgusted and busted and, and crusted and all that other kind of good stuff? I, I don't know very many people that like to live like that at all. Most of the people that I know, and particularly those who are in Christ, they want to live in victory. They want to walk in victory. Well, as I was studying and reading this, it came to me that there are at least four things that materialize as we begin to take this journey in Psalm chapter 37. And I'd like to draw your attention to those. Let me begin with the first one. I'd like to suggest to you that verse 4 tells us that we are called to fellowship with God. Notice what it says. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, here, here's the very real facts about our relationship with the Lord. He wants to walk with us. He wants to fellowship with us. All the way back to creation, God was all about relationships. He was about walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. He wanted to be close to them. And he was close to them, but because of sin, there was a physical separation between God and Adam and Eve. It stayed that way for a very long time until Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was selected from the foundation of the earth to be the propitiation for our sins, the one who would deliver us from our sin, the one who would remove our sin for as far as the east is from the west, the, the, the Savior of our soul created a new environment where we are no longer... <clears throat> separated from God the Father, but now we are in relationship with him and we walk in him. He is not somewhere out into the heavenlies, but he lives within our spirit so that wherever we are, wherever you go, whatever you are facing, you are not alone. But the spirit of the living God is with you in fellowship. And now the psalmist says that you should delight in that. Now, I don't know. When my wife and I got married, you know, like most married couples, we didn't know how to be married. How many of you remember those days? We didn't really know how to be married. You know, when we got married, I kind of had my idea of what it was going to look like. And I'm certain that she had her idea of what it was going to look like. And the problem was is that those visions were different. And, and we had to find some common ground. And occasionally we had a discussion or two about those visions and whether or not we were on the same page. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And there were days that the fellowship was sweet because we were on the same page. But there were some days that it, it was just a tad bit bitter because we weren't on the same page. We, we had kind of moved back out to our personal visions rather than our collective vision. And, and, and in times like that, we found that the fellowship was not quite so sweet. We didn't feel like kissing each other. We didn't feel like holding hands. We didn't feel like sitting close on the couch. We didn't feel like that because we were not delighting in the fellowship of marriage. And what we had to learn was is that we did not get married to be at odds with each other. 
I can remember we would have discussions about that. We didn't get married so that we could fight the rest of our lives and so that we could argue and so that we could be at odds with one another. We got married because we really, really liked each other. And we wanted to sit close and we wanted to hold hands. And I wanted her to run her fingers through my hair. And I wanted to run my fingers through her hair. Although I had to get through some of the hairspray and that kind of stuff, you know. But I I enjoyed doing that. I liked fellowshipping with my wife. I still do. She spent the week in Tennessee with her mom and dad. And she said Friday when we talked, she said, I'm so ready to come home. I want to get there. I miss you. And I, I, I said, I miss you too. And it's all that googly goggly yucky stuff. And it's like, I miss you so, you know, so much and can't wait to see you. And, and why? Because, because we have learned how to delight in, in our fellowship with one another. We have learned how to delight in each other. And for those of you who aren't married, maybe you're single, there are friends that you have that you delight in them. You like to have a cup of coffee with them. You like to meet them at Starbucks or wherever it is that you do your coffee. You, you like to do things together because you delight in the fellowship. But here's the deal. You have to make arrangements to enjoy that. You have to determine that today I'm going to fellowship. I'm going to delight in my relationship with this individual. And likewise, we have to learn how to delight in our relationship with Jesus. Which means that we've got to make room for him in our lives. Now listen, I know we're busy. I'm busy just like you are. I get up in the morning and my feet hit the ground running. I've got a lot to do. I've got things I need to, to get done. I'm, I'm constantly in motion, it seems. But if I'm not careful, I will get so focused on the stuff of life that I forget the most important thing, and that is to get started in my walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. So I get up in the morning and I've got a chair set up in the corner. In fact, my wife tells me, she said, do you really have to have all of those books on the floor beside the chair because it's ugly? And, and you know, and I said, well, you know, I, I read all those and I, and I, and I partake from those and I, I don't guess I have to have them there, but it's kind of, it's kind of my place. You know what I'm saying? And, and now I, I've, I've got a heating pad on the back of it so that I can get and turn it on and make my back feel good. And it's just, it's my place. You know what I'm saying? And it's where I, it's where I enjoy my fellowship with Jesus. I delight in it. I look forward to it. I love having that fresh cup of coffee with steam coming up and the dog at my feet, keeping my feet warm and, 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 and reading the word of God and, and praying and seeking his face. I delight in that time with Jesus. And what I'm trying to say to you today is, is that you've got to find a way to make room for fellowship with God in your life. You cannot just simply say that you are a follower of Christ. You have to literally be a follower of Christ where you are delighting in his presence. Amen. 
I'm telling you, there is no sweeter fellowship in the world than to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to be able to speak to him and talk to him and, and love on him and receive his love back into your life. I want to ask you, when's the last time that you got all googly-eyed about your relationship with God, that you felt all, all swoony in your mind, if you will, about the fact that Jesus is in, in your spirit? Hey, listen, you need to, to delight in the fellowship fellowship of God. I know some of you are saying, well, you know, the only time that I really ever interact with God is when I come to church and I'm really not all that excited about the church because the church is just full of hypocrites. Can I tell you that you're absolutely right? And can I also tell you that when you walked in the door, you just added one hypocrite to the number that was already here. There are no perfect people in this room right here. We're all fought. We're all walking through this thing. And but for the grace of God, we would never be able to survive in this life. So get your eyes off of other people and their hypocritical uh, mindset and all of that. And focus your attention upon the Lord Jesus Christ and delight in him. You say, well, I can do that at home. I don't have to come to church. Oh, yeah, you do. Because the scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, such is the habit of some, and especially as you see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ drawing near. That means we need him now more than ever before. This church will work things into you, and it will work attitudes out of you. It will bring blessings in your life, and it will cut you like a surgical knife if you are trusting in the Word of God. But you need the church. And here's what else. The church needs you. I mean, you may be the less, lesser of the hypocrites. You might be able to pull all of us up to the level where you are. But we, we, we need one another and we need to delight in our relationship with him. Secondly, I see here a call to fulfillment. A call to fulfillment. He says, if you will delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. How many of you today, you have a thing or a, or a bunch of things that you're hoping that God will bring about in your life? I, again, I'm thinking about Brandon. He had that surgery at the first of the week. It was unsuccessful because of the lack of blood flow. But the doctor said, let's give it a couple of days. Let's believe that that blood flow will improve. And when they went back and did the surgery the second time, a few days later, the blood flow had increased to the point that they were able to do the surgery successfully. And they said, you're on your way now to complete healing your body now can take care of healing this, this thing. And so it was a desire of his heart for God to heal his body. And I know that you have desires in your mind. And, and the scripture says that if you fellowship with God, if you desire him and fellowship with him, he will bring you the desires of your heart. Now, you know what that literally means? It literally means that you have to roll your desires over to him. You have to roll it over to him. Now, now, here's the problem that we have. 
Many of us do not have contentment in our relationship with the Lord because we want what we want when we want it and how we want it. And what the scripture is telling us is, is that what God wants is the better thing and the better way and will bring about a greater work in your life. And so you must be willing to trade, if you will, your desires for the desires of God. You had to be willing to roll them over to him and say, well, Lord, I really did want strawberry ice cream. But if you think a hot fudge sundae is better for me, then I roll my desire over to you and I'll take the hot fudge sundae that is anointed by your hand. I'm hungry all of a sudden. How about you? So we have to be willing, we have to be willing to, to roll it over. Let me, let me show you something that I discovered in my life. I have been on this quest for contentment. How many of you'd like to be content? Hey, you just like to be able to wake up in the morning and just feel that peace and that contentment. And there are days that I feel it and I sense it. And then there are days that I don't get it at all. But you know what I've discovered is that when we feel discontent, it's always because we are, we are not agreeing with someone else. If we feel spiritually discontent, it's because we're not agreeing with God's will for our life. If I feel feel discontent in my job, it's because I am not in agreement with what my boss is wanting me to do. But guess what? You're not the boss. They're the boss. And so you have to be willing to roll over your desire to accept the desire of the boss as long as it's within reason and it does not, uh, you know, bring any kind of harm to you. You must be willing to roll that over. You must be willing to roll over some of your desires in your relationship, in your marriage, in your dating relationship, whatever it may be. You must be willing to realize that not everything that I think is right is the right thing. Sometimes it's better for for me to roll off my desire so that I can take on the desire of someone else. That's the way it works in a marriage. That's the way it works in a relationship. That's the way it works in a church. That's the way it works in our employment. That's the way it works. We are not the boss of everything. When Jonathan was a a young boy, a kid, he thought he was. He thought he ran the show. He'd get, all the, he'd get all the kids in the neighborhood to come around after school, and he'd give them their punch list, you know, for what they were supposed to do. He'd start with his sister, Aaron. Aaron, I want you to do this. And then the boy across the street, you do this. And the boy down the block, you do this. And then Jonathan would go over and sit on the porch and make sure that they all did everything that he had expecting them to do. And we asked him one day, You know, what's the deal with this? He said, I am the boss of everything on this block. I I don't know where he got that from. But suddenly he had to realize that when I got home, he wasn't the boss anymore. You know what I'm saying? He had to roll over his ideas to what I thought might be the better thing. And sometimes we walk through life 
clinging to our desires that are not what God wants for us. So we must be willing to say, Lord, I want this in my flesh. I think I need this in my flesh. But Father, if you don't think this is what's best for me, if you don't think that relationship is best for me, if you don't think that relationship or that job is best for me, then Lord, I roll those desires over into your hand and I will do what you want me to do and what you ask me to do, even if it is uncomfortable. Let me tell you something. It's never comfortable to have to give away one of your dreams. If you're a parent in the house today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when you have these babies, you look at them. And when you look at them, you have all these visions of what they're going to become. And what they're going to look like. And what they're going to do. And how they're going to act. And what they're going to become. And all these things. And then as life begins to take center stage. And they begin to grow up. And and they begin to manifest different giftings. And different ideas. uh, Then you begin to discover. That maybe your vision. For what they were going to be. Is not how it's going to be. And sometimes. You have to be able to roll your desire. And vision off so that they can be the people that God intends for them to be. So there's this idea of fulfillment by rolling over our desires so that they are in agreement with God. And then thirdly, there's a call to fruitfulness. Now I see this in in the next verse, verse 6 or verse 5. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will act. And he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Now, I hate it. I absolutely hate it when someone accuses me of something that I did not do. I I cannot stand it when someone accuses me of saying something I did not say. I remember several several years ago, I was pastoring a church and I was in the office one day and and, and the secretary stuck her head in and said, so-and-so's here to see you and and, uh, we'd like to have a word with you. Send them in. Came in, sat down in my office and said, I'm angry with you, pastor, and I'm I'm going to leave and go to another church because I heard that you said such and such about me. I said, you heard that. I said, well, first of all, let me tell you that I did not say that. That did not come out of my mouth. I said, number one, I don't feel that way about you at all. And so whoever told you that is trying to stir up dissension between you and me. And I did not say it. I said, I'm going to ask you a very pointed question. And I said, Tell me who said it. Oh, and I don't want to tell you who said it. And I said, you've got to tell me who said it. Because once you tell me who said it, I'm getting ready to pick up the phone and call them right now and ask them why they said what you think they said. I said, we're settling this issue right now. I'm not going another day with you thinking that I said something that I did not say. And so I said, let's settle this issue right now. 
The best way that I know to do that is let's call that third party, get them on the phone with us, and see if they said what you said they said, or if they may have said something that you interpreted in a different way. And the Lord helped us to work through that situation, and I was vindicated. I did not say what, I was, what, what they said I said, and everyone was happy, and we got along, and we moved on in the kingdom of God. Some of you don't have the benefit of being able to, to rectify the problem. But let me tell you, God has promised that if you will commit your way to the Lord and trust him, he will act. And listen, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Now, here's something you need to understand about this, this justice coming like, like the sun and like the noonday. How many of you know that the sun rising is a process? It, it is continually moving across the sky. And even when you cannot see the rays of the sun, it is still there. It's just shining on someone else's world in our darkness. But it's a process that takes place. I love getting up before the sun actually crests on the horizon because there are signs that the sun is on the way. First thing that happens is the birds start chirping. It's still dark outside, but they're outside in a tree somewhere and they're tweet, 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 tweet. Yesterday I looked out, I heard this big tweeting that we didn't have any air conditioning. So I had the doors open and the fans blowing and all that kind of stuff. And there was a red bird on my deck table and he was looking at me and he was saying, tweet, 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 tweet. And I said, Lord, I don't understand in the spirit what he's saying. He's saying, the Cardinals will have a very good year this year. It's all going to be okay. Don't worry about it. No, I, I'm just kidding about that. The birds begin to tweet. Wildlife begins to sense that something uh, is about to break. And then the darkness uh, begins to get shoved out of the way. Like you can't see the sun yet. You don't see the manifestation of it yet. But you begin to see the glow, the outer glow, that something is about to change. Something is about to brighten up. Something is about to come forth. Uh, and you wait there. And you anticipate it. And then all of a sudden the sun begins to break the horizon. And what? you are simply anticipating now you are able to see with your eyes you're able to tell you are able to see it manifested and I'm telling you somebody today if you'll just commit your, yourself to the Lord uh, he's getting ready to break forth in your life uh, there will be signs of it you'll begin to hear the wildlife come to life you'll begin to see the radiation of the manifestation and then ultimately you will see the manifestation of the righteousness of God as it pours forth into your life. He's saying, if you'll commit your way to me, that means trust me, then I will bring about a gradual but consistent discovery in your life. You know what has happened to us in America is that we have gotten so used to instant access to anything we want. If we want a cheeseburger, just go to McDonald's and within a matter of seconds, you can get the worst cardboard tasting McDonald's hamburger you could ever hope to have. You know, if you, if you want a taco, you can just go down to Taco Bell, 
And they grind it up and put it in there and give it to you. And then first thing it does is it squirts out the end and goes down on your shirt. But they can do it fast, man. I'm telling you, fast, fast. Fast, fast. We've gotten used to that. We've, we've gotten accustomed to that. Did you ever text anybody to get your phone? I need to text so-and-so. Text them. And then it's like. Come on, I need to know. Come on. And then, do you know the feeling that you get when you're on Facebook and you've just made a comment and you know it's going to draw a certain response from a certain person and you're wondering how long it'll take and you're looking and then all of a sudden you see that little bubble come down up at the, at the bottom and it's got those three little dots going to go boom, 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 boom. And you know what that means? They're typing. Somebody's typing, come on, type fast. Come on, type fast. I need to know. Come on. And then all of a sudden the bubble breaks loose and the comment comes back and you say, ah, it wasn't the person that I was hoping would respond back to me. And we get frustrated and it's like, when are they going to text me back? And then finally, if you're like me, you just say, forget texting. I'm just going to call them. Pick up the code because we can't wait. We have become addicted to hurry. We've been addicted to instant access. I don't want anybody to answer this phone, this, this, this question, but I wonder how many of us put our phone on the side of the table when we go to bed and plug it in. And when we wake up in the morning before our feet hit the ground, the first thing we do is grab that little phone yeah, I wonder who talked to me during the night. I wonder what's going on. We haven't talked to God yet. We haven't gone to the bathroom yet. We haven't brushed our teeth yet. The most important thing in our life is I wonder if anybody has responded to any of my texts or Facebook posts. Again, don't answer it. But what I'm saying is, is that for some of us, we need to realize that to be fruitful, we've got to be willing to put some things out of our lives so that God can bring about the good things that we need to understand. And then finally this morning, and I'm stopping, come help me if you will. I see a call to freedom. I see a call to freedom. It's so easy to get bound up in this world. It's so easy to worry Yesterday, I'm standing out there in my mud boots. I got shorts on, and, and I've got a, we used to call them slickers back in the day, you know, because you'd wear them, and then the, the, they didn't get wet because the water would go off because they, they just slick right off. I'm standing there with my hat on, and I'm soaking wet, and everybody else is soaking wet, and, and we're looking at this thing, and and all I see is water coming from underneath the slab of the building. And they're doing everything that they know to do. They're turning the water off. They're turning the water on. They're scratching their head. The experts are saying, we don't know. I don't know. Yeah, man, it seems bad. We can't get the water out of the hole fast enough to be able to look at where the break is. And I'm just standing there saying... I'm, I'm wanting to rebuke a plumber. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how I many of you know it doesn't do any good to rebuke plumbers? They're just people like us. But they're giving me a bad report. They're giving me, and I'm standing there and I'm looking at all this muddy water. And I look at the building 
where the concrete pad is and all I see is this fresh, clear, clean water that is coming underneath this concrete pad. And the plumber says to me, is there any water inside the building? No, sir. There's no toilet? No, sir. There's no sink? No, sir. There's no place to wring a mop out? No, sir. There's no water in that building. He said, why is there water coming from the rock? You don't ask a preacher that. Because I'm ready to preach now all of a sudden. Because I'm reminded of a time in the Old Testament when the people of God were in need and God caused water to come out of the rock to meet the need. It didn't make sense. Nobody understood it. Everybody was scratching their head saying, how could this be? Why is this happening? But God caused water to come out of the rock. And I started looking at that nice, clean, clear water coming out of that rock. And I just stepped back away from those guys that probably weren't Christians. I, I, I could kind of tell a little bit that they might not be. And I just stood back and said, Lord, this is not the first time you brought water out of the rock. God, I have no control over this. I don't have any answer whatsoever. But I learned a long time away to trust, a long time ago to trust in you and commit my ways to you. And so, Lord, if water's got to come out of the rock so that we can get the solution to the problem, then bring the water out of the rock because I know the solution will surely follow. Sure enough, God brought a solution to our problem. Let me tell you today that there's some of you going, going through some of the deepest, darkest days of your life. You wake up every day wondering, when is God going to come through for me? When is this situation going to change? When am I going to be able to see that God has fulfilled his promises? Listen, I can't tell you when. But I can tell you that God is not unaware of your circumstance. And if you can learn how to read the gauges, you will discover that he will give you the word at the right time so that you'll know how to respond in such a way that victory will come to you. I started with the story about 178 seconds until death. They could not survive even three minutes because they did not understand how to read the gauges when all they had around them was darkness and difficulty and storm circumstances. But the good news is, is once they were trained and once they were taught how to read that instrument panel, and how to read those gauges. Then when they were put into that difficult situation, they could sit in that cockpit with confidence and not be moved by what they saw and not be moved by what they felt. But they moved.
moved because of what they read on the instrument panel. And they acted in response to the gauges. I tell some of you today, your gauge is right here. The Word of God is what you need for your circumstance. Trusting what God has said is what will bring the answer to you. And then notice verse 7. It says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. Wait patiently for Him and don't be afraid. Don't fret over the others who seem to be prospering in their way and over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from your anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends itself only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Oh, man. Come on, give him praise, church. Give him glory. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you will. With your eyes closed and no one looking around, let me ask you a question. How many of you are here today and you have a situation that you've been fighting in your life and you know that you need the, you need the power of God to move on your behalf? You need God to come into this situation and give you the wisdom and the knowledge that you need to overcome it. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up right where you stand? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Hands going up everywhere today. Okay, you can put your hands down. I want to pray with you right now. I want to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you that God's will will come to you in such a way that it will be as though the sun has has brought its light into your mind and into your pathway so that you will see exactly what needs to be said and done to bring victory to your life. Will you let me pray with you right now, Father? In the name of Jesus, I come to you right now. God, there are men and women in this house right now that they need wisdom. And the good news is, is that your word declares if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, will not withhold anything when it comes to wisdom. God, that's your promise. And so right now I'm praying that as they ask you for the wisdom that they need, that you will shine it forth into their lives and into their mind, that it will be become clear to them and that they will be able to take the next step, Lord, walking in the wisdom and in the knowledge that will move them closer and closer 
to the victory that they desire. God, I pray that you will help them to discipline themselves so that they can roll away and roll over their human desires and their fleshly desires so that they can obtain the spiritual desire that is in agreement with your word. Lord, when we agree together with other men and women of faith and when we agree together with the word of God, then Lord, there is victory ahead. For you said, if any two of you shall agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done of them of the Father which is in heaven. Oh God, you're a good, good Father. You're a good, good Father who intends and desires to bless your people and bring freedom and replace our bondage with liberty. So Lord, I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Will you join me and just lift your hands up and begin to worship him right now. I want you to thank him in advance for what he's going to do in your life. Use your words and give him thanks right now. Come on, join me. I